Well, good evening. It is good to have this number back out with us for our second half of our worship service. And as, as I said, we have visitors and some of y'all just, just family and old acquaintances reunited. We're definitely appreciative of having y'all here with us here at Booth Chapel this evening. Something pricked my mind this morning as I was making references to Bible verses and things that are possible. In our, uh, in our earthly realm, they're limited by mankind. But somebody is, someone is definitely unlimited in the things that he can do. He's our heavenly father. And we find this example in Luke chapter 18. And our example starts in verse 18. Our verses, actually our study is going to start in 24. But this is where Christ is counseling the rich young ruler. It's going to start in Luke chapter 18, verse 18. So if you have your Bibles, be opening there with me. As we dive into this encounter with someone, there's, there's several lessons in what Christ is teaching here. We're, this is spooling up to the example because when Christ says, and when Jesus saw that, he became very sorrowful. So if I started there, you might be a little bit lost. So as we begin in Luke chapter 18, verse 18. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. That's one lesson in and of itself. That's, that's a whole lesson, even a sermon to itself. But we're going to move on in our reading. Verse 20. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. All these, and he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So the rich young ruler, that we don't realize he's rich, this young, this young ruler, he's, he's kind of proud at this instance. Well, all those things I've done. All those things that I have, I've, I've completed those things. So Jesus looks into his heart and he says, okay, here we go. So when Jesus heard these things in verse 22, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And that was your second big lesson in, in our reading. So we see this rich young ruler had great possession. Because he was very rich in verse 23. He couldn't see stand selling all that he had and giving all that possession up just to follow Jesus Christ. We see that time and time again in today's age. Somebody wants the easy way out. As a child of God, we know this is going to be difficult. Our pathway to salvation is a difficult one. So here we see this rich young ruler hearing the words from Jesus. They sell all that you have, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. He's trying to tell him, let for yourselves treasure in heaven, not on earth, where it cannot be stolen, where it will never perish, where it will never go away. And come follow me. What wonderful instructions for a young man. But he let the ways of the world come in between so that's that's the second big lesson in Christ speaking there 
But he came very sorrowful in verse 23. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. And in verse 24, here we go. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? For it's not impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not impossible. It's possible. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. Why? Because typically someone who has riches, someone who has wealth, they're letting the world come between them and their spirituality. They're letting the riches of this world come between them and the riches of heaven. And then Christ uses this example. Now keep in mind this verse has been taken out of context. Now the eye, the, the eye of a needle was a low pass. When two rocks come together, it made a real low pass. And of course a camel would have to get down on his little knuckly knees and just kind of skirt through. But he could make it. Now a lot of people say, well think like a sewing needle. The eye, a camel's not going to fit through that needle. That, that eye of a sewing needle. That's not what Christ's talking about. He's talking about that low pass. Verse 25. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Like I said, mankind's things that we can do are limited. But we think of a spiritual nature. I'm going to abolish that by the end of this lesson. I'm going to cast that out of our minds. I'm going to cast it out. So Christ uses the example of a camel passing through this low pass of a needle. For it's easier for a camel to pass. It would have been difficult. They knew this to take their camel through the eye of a needle. They knew that. So they, un they would understand of how difficult it would be for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because their mindset is going to be money, earthly, fleshly things. Like our example this morning in Romans chapter 8. When Christ talks about being in Christ and living according to the flesh, there is a condemnation. But that verse 1 of Romans chapter 8 tells us that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the flesh. Not the flesh, the spirit. The spirit. So that's what Christ saying. It's difficult for this young man to give up his riches to follow me. It would have been so simple for us. Well, just come on, let's go. Bring what you have. Christ is teaching a lesson. The things of this earth are going to perish. They're going to be gone one day. But your treasures in heaven, they last forever. And my example turns right back over to Stephen as he is dying. Y'all remember that instance? When he's being stoned to death for preaching Jesus Christ. He looks up into the heavens and he sees Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God. How encouraging is that? To know that your work has been worth it. To know that your labor is going to land you in a place next to God. In the dwelling place of God. 
What a wonderful blessing. Even as a child of God, to have that peace of mind, to know that heaven awaits us. So we see this rich young ruler walking away sorrowful because he had great possession. He was a rich man. Therefore, Christ teaches his disciples, for it is difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And in verse 26, And those who heard it said, Who then can be saved? But he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. No truer statement has been said. We had a, we had a, a discussion a few weeks back about the plan of salvation and the orchestrator of it. I think it was last week whenever I myself said, I'm glad it wasn't up to me to write a plan of salvation because I couldn't do it. Our Heavenly Father created the plan of salvation and put it into action just as soon as sin revived upon this earth. It was possible, and it is possible, for God to save our souls through His Son, through His only begotten Son. For the blood of Christ applied to God's children gets us that access. For Christ Himself says in John 14, 6, I am the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through or by me. I hope that sinks deep into our hearts. And we take it with through our everyday walks of life. To not walk away like this rich young ruler because he had great possession. He didn't want to lose it. I hope we're right the opposite of that. I hope we don't want to lose our spirituality to lose our connection to God. I reference Isaiah 59 too often because it's what sin does to us. That's that separation. It happens. Our sins and our iniquities enter into our lives. And that separation happens just like that veil was torn in two. Well, Christ tore that, veil in, tore that veil in two. Therefore, you and I can come to God if we have that cleansing process. Just as that high priest used to have to do. So the question there was in verse 26. Who then can be saved? Christ answers in a most wonderful way. For with men this is impossible. But with God, it is possible. With God, all things are possible. He is the Almighty. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is our Heavenly Father, the Creator of everything. We had a discussion this morning in Bible class that we can't even comprehend the thoughts of God. Christ is there to make that intercession. He is our go-between, if you will. And then Peter. Y'all, y'all, you know, wonderful study on Peter. How many times does Peter open up that mouth and stick that foot in? Time and time again. So we see Peter first to speak up. And he said, See, we have left all in verse 20, 28 and followed you. Keep in mind what Peter was. Was he not a fisherman? 
Was he was he was Christ not in Peter's boat when he caught all those fish? He's seen that happen. And there's only one re, one explanation for that instance. Christ was special. At that time, he just realized he was special. And what did Christ tell him? From now on, I'll make you fishers of men. They forsook all and followed. Here Peter saying, this is what we've done. We have forsook all and we have followed you. And then Christ rebukes him a little bit in verse 29. So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times in this present time in the age to come eternal life. Now in your studies of the, of the Old Testament, in your studies of the, well not Old Testament, in your studies of the early church and, and the ways of the separation was there. And of course it's still happening today in foreign countries where if someone becomes a child of God, if someone starts following Jesus, becomes a Christian, they're cast out of homes. I was talking to a gentleman, it was, it was a good while back, it was still whenever he was still working at, at where I work at UAH, and he said, just the other day, I'm saying, just the other day? Yes. This young lady responded to your doctrine. He pointed at me. He wasn't, he wasn't a child of God. He pointed at me. Your doctrine, she followed you, and she was baptized and became a Christian, and her family cast her out. He said, but something miraculous happened. The church took her in. The church provided for that young lady. Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. What does Christ say? Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house, nor parents, nor brothers, or wife, or children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. That's what Christ tells him. Not only you, but all those in the days to come. If they forsake all for my name's sake, forsake it all for my name's sake, obedient to the gospel, eternal life awaits them. I want us to look at ourselves. Right, just, just right here in this audience and those hearing my voice. Evaluate yourself right now. Just look, just look within your lifestyle. Have you given up the things that is, that's important in your life to follow God? Have you given up the things that's important in this world to be receiving of eternal life? I seriously hope we have. Because when Christ says, for it's easier for a camel to go to the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, he does not say it is impossible, does he? He does not. He says it's easier. He, means, he says it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. <coughs> Another verse comes to mind. Philippians 4.13 
And that verse just popped into your minds. I've seen your face expressions. Philippians 4.13. You remember that verse? I know you do. That's one of our favorites, right? That's one that we receive strength. That's the one that reveals us unto where our strength actually comes from. Earlier in this lesson, I said we are limited. We are limited in what we can do. Uh, like I said, I was fixing to cast that out. I was fixing to cast that out of your minds of the limitations of us as the children of God. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't say I can do a few things, now does it? Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, first off, let's look at our strength. Through Christ, who does that strength actually come from? Our Father in heaven. The strength that Christ had while he was here upon this earth as he was enduring the hardships of this life, where did his strength come from? Father in heaven. As he was obedient to those words that the Father gave him to do, where did that strength come from? Father in heaven. Our strength today. If we have our minds centered on Christ, and if we have our willingness to obey his word, where does our strength come from? Our Father in heaven. Through Jesus Christ. And one of my more favorite verses, I don't like to put degrees of, of, of worth on scriptures. I just I think I can remember them a little better because it fits so much in our everyday walks of life. 1 John 1 and 7. I turn there just to be turning there. If we walk in the lies, he is in the lie. And have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Take notice of that. The strength that comes from a man hanging on the cross. Dying for your sins so they may be remitted. 2,000 years ago. How much strength does that take? How much strength does that say that I want nothing to do with the world? I want what's to come later. Remember Paul's example. As he was nearing the end of his life, he could see it. He could foreshadow it. He knew that it was coming. His death, that is. But he was far, he was, he was torn between two things. He was torn. Those two things that he was torn, you remember what those were? To die and go on to heaven. But what was more needful for the church? To stay and teach. To stay and be that apostle that Jesus Christ commissioned him to do. That's a lot of strength. So all that strength came from Christ. So the things that we think that we cannot do, with God all things is possible, but through Jesus Christ, you and I can do some impossible things. One thing that's far-reached for someone who is living in an ungodly manner, Someone who has yet to become a child of God. To understand what it is to have salvation in your sight. You ever heard the term, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel? You ever heard that before? I'm sure you have. 
It doesn't have to be a train. It can be heaven. If and only if you're wearing Christ on that great day. And when I say wearing Christ, that is being immersed for the remission of your sins. Putting Christ on, being buried with Him through baptism. And starting your spiritual walk. Giving up the ways of the world. Leaving all for the sake of Christ. And keeping your focus on His Word. In doing so, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. This is what John writes. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. This is, this is Christians. This is John's fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. He's reassuring you of something in this very next statement that he's fixing to write. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Eternal life. The thing Christ was talking about, right? That straight and narrow gate that does not lead to destruction. That's that wide and broad gate that so many are going to find. John's writing about that gate that leads to everlasting life. That rich young ruler, whenever Christ told him to and come follow me. Sell all chap and come follow me. He's telling that for us today. John is writing for those who have done so. Those who are abiding in Christ today. Know that you have eternal life waiting for you. That's peace and comfort right there to the nth degree. We can't even measure that much comfort in our minds. But that verse carries on. And it says that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I know a lot of people think that once you're, once you're baptized, that's it. That's all you got to do. Once you're baptized, you're saved. Well, unfortunately, the Bible teaches otherwise. The Bible teaches that we can lose our salvation. If we don't continue to believe in the name of the Son of God, if we don't continue to follow Christ's instructions, we have sinned. And we need repentance. We need restoration. We need God's forgiveness. And that forgiveness is not given until we repent of our sins. That is, those who are a child of God. When we repent of our sins, when we confess those sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. So he can restore us. So our sins and our iniquities doesn't separate us from God. We're justified. I'm thankful that word is there. Justified. We've, we've described justified many times in here. The brief explanation of justified is just as, as if it never happened. So when we get forgiveness, when we leave all, when we follow Christ, knowing that Christ gives us strength, and with God all things is possible, He is able to save your souls on Judgment Day. Again, back up and do your self-examination. Look within yourself. Look at your just past week. Did you glorify God in it? I seriously hope so. Because when we glorify God, when we do the things he was ha that, that pleases God, it glorifies Him. 
Just talking to somebody about Jesus Christ, you're glorifying God. You pray to God, it's glorifying God. You encourage a brother or sister who is ailing or, or failing even in their spirituality, you're glorifying God. Turn someone away from their, away from their sins, you're glorifying them and God. To be able to continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. How much does heaven encourage us? How much does the existence of the resting place for those who are faithful encourage us? How much? Enough to be faithful? Well, that's what he's talking about in verse 13. He's given those who are faithful, taking strength in Christ's name, believing in that name, knowing that our strength comes from God, to continue to carry on. To not stumble, to not waver, to not veer off the path, but stay on that straight and narrow that leads to everlasting life. And Revelation, singular, 2.10 tells us when that journey is over, death. Be ye faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's encouraging. That's very encouraging. Another verse just popped into my mind. Revelation. I just had to add to it. I got time. I believe it's 20... Seven. 21 7, excuse me. Revelation 21 7. <clears throat> he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and they shall be my son. Aren't you thankful that you're God's people today upon this earth? Now imagine that to the unknown degree, magnified that much. No pain, no suffering, no death. Nobody likes funerals, right? No, no, no more death. No more pain and suffering. Wake up this morning and aches and none. That's all gone. The troubles of the flesh gone. In the presence of God for all eternity. But unfortunately, I have to talk about that other place. Because how many is going to find that gate that leads to destruction? Many. So many needs to hear this word as well. There is another place of destruction where Satan, the false prophet, death, Hades, and all those sons and daughters of Satan. Oh, devil. Oh, the devil. That lake of fire that Revelation 20 talks about. Actually, starting in verse 10 and following. That lake of fire that was designed for Satan and all those who are disobedient unto him, you're going to be right there with him. Our iniquities land us there. That's why I said it's an opportunity for a child of God to lose their salvation. You can become an adversary of God once again. Hebrews 10 teaches that in verse 26 and 27. So our sins, we need to cast those out, right? We have nothing to do with the sins of the world. 
that rich young ruler, he said, I can't give it up. He was sorrowful. Don't be sorrowful tonight. When you walk out of those doors, you should feel energized. You should feel lifted up. You should feel saved. For God is able to do that. Remember what Christ said in John 15, 5. The Gospel John 15, 5. Right there at the end of that verse. He says, for without me, you can do nothing. Unless you're attached to Jesus Christ, you're going to be cut off and cast out with the burnt branches. Or the branches to be burned. That's sad. That's sad. And my example goes back to that big old brush pile that my uncle had at one time. He called it torment. No, no more fitting example than that. Because there's going to be a whole lot of branches, unfortunately. Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of branches in that burn pile. Those who have been cut off, cast off, to be burned. But God's wish, God's will is that all men everywhere will come to repentance. He doesn't want to have to cast you in that lake fire. He sent his son, folks. He sent his son so that we may have an opportunity that we might be saved through him. Christ didn't come to the world to condemn it. John 3.17, right? right? Everybody knows 3.16, but carry on one more verse and learn one more. John 3.17. For Christ, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might, M-I-G-H-T, be saved. He don't want to have to send you there. He doesn't, that's, he want his wills you for not to be there. But unfortunately, Satan's going to have his way. Satan's going to have the, his clutches and his claws in mankind, and they're going to walk right down that lake of fire with him. After judgment day, where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And everyone shall give an account of all the things they have done, whether good or bad. It is my prayer that those whom I love, those folks who I'm looking at, those who are listening to my voice right now, to come to repentance and to hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. If you weren't going to hear those words right now, why not turn away from the things that separate you from God? Why not turn away from the things that would condemn you to hear those words? Depart from me. There is no reason. Come to repentance and live. That's what Christ's instructions is. Repent and live. Does repentance need to happen tonight in this audience? We always offer an extension to get right in the eyes of God. This lesson has been an encouragement to know that our strength comes from God. For we can't do it by ourselves. For it's impossible to do it by ourselves. But with God, all things are possible. And he's able to save your souls if you'll just let him. If you'll just come to him and follow his instructions. Do you need to follow his instructions tonight? Whether it be baptism, please find somebody. They can assist you. I'm not that hard to reach. Or tonight, are you sitting in the audience needing repentance, needing forgiveness, needing restoration, needing prayers? Please come forward as we stand and let us sing a song of invitation.